They may be called the next generation, but they're the church of today. Reach, disciple, and mobilize students to share the hope of the gospel. This is Next Gen On Mission with Shane Pruitt and Paul Wooster. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of the Next Gen On Mission podcast. My name is Shane Pruitt. I'm the National Next Gen Director for the North American Mission Board. As always, got my co-host with me, Paul Wooster. He is the National Collegiate Director for the North American Mission Board. Paul, what's up, man? What's up, man? I got my yerba mate. You know what that is? It's an <laughs> organic energy drink. Um, what you, you got some coffee this morning, Shane? I don't mean, you know, I'm not a coffee drinker. You know, I've tried, dude. I've tried. I'm not a coffee drinker. You know, they say to be a minister, you got to drink coffee and play golf. And I don't do either one, man. Yeah, <laughs> I've tried. I always think like people holding coffee, it makes them look smarter. But man, yeah, I can't, man. I've tried. Not a coffee drinker. Yeah. <laughs> hey, but Paul, I'll tell you what, man, our guest today literally is one of the smartest guys I know. Uh, you know, he's like, I mean, even we can see him right now and he's got like this massive Mount Rushmore pile of books behind him, you know, <laughs> uh, and Paul, I know you, I mean, you only listen to audio books right now. You've got like a apostate. You won't even hold a book. <laughs> <laughs> and Kindle and Kindle, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, man, Paul, I'm so excited about our guest today, man. Uh, Brent Crow is the vice president of Student Leadership University, which is such a great partner with the North American Mission Board. We love SLU, what they do. And, uh, man, I don't know of anybody that's uh, empowering and reaching more youth pastors than Student Leadership University and Youth Pastor Summit and all those. So Brent Crow is the vice president of Student Leadership University. He is an author, um, a husband, uh, a father of a bunch of kids. I can identify with that. Uh, man, just one of the nicest guys I know, one of the most intelligent men I know. Uh, he's a true gift to the kingdom of God. And so we're so excited to have him on today as we talk about where do we go from here in student ministry. So Brent Crow, welcome to the Next Gen Mission podcast, my friend. Thank you, Shane. Thank you, Paul. You guys uh, are amazing. And, and I do have a slew of kids, which is why I'm constantly calling you for advice, buddy. So <laughs> very, very grateful. Awesome, man. Hey, well, the number one rule of thumb I tell people is that if it's loud, it's normal. If it's yeah. quiet, they're up to something, and you got to go yeah. check that out. Yeah. <laughs> you go a whole day without something getting broken, they're probably doing something they shouldn't do. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, in fact, on the front porch of our house, our doormat literally says, just so you know, there's like a lot of kids in here. That's what it says. <laughs> <laughs> Great. I need one of those. Yeah. Well, awesome. Mm-hmm. Sign like a waiver when they come in or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So, well, hey, Grant, before we jump in, man, and get too spiritual, man, tell us one fun fact about you that we should know that we may not already know. Yeah. You know, um, probably a weird fact about me is that I have three pet donkeys, uh, Ellie Girl, Yo Adrian, and Little Lady. And um, wow. people think that's weird. Every time they go, you got donkeys? Yeah, I got donkeys. And, and you know, so, yeah, I got these. I got a, about a 20-year-old donkey, a 9-year-old donkey, and then a month-and-a-half-year-old foal, uh, if that's what you're supposed to call them. And uh, <laughs> so, anyways, yeah. What I um, love it, man. What, what I love purpose, it. Like, what purpose do they serve? Like, what, I mean, besides being a pet? I could make something up to try to sound like really cool <laughs> in the country. So they help us keep snakes away or yeah. hogs or some, something like that. But I honestly, I just like them. So yeah, I go out yeah. and rush and pet and leave my cell phone inside and 
honestly, I go up to the pasture and I do a lot of praying. So they're That's like really keeping cool. outside praying. That is my my daughter loves donkeys, so maybe I'll have yeah. to. Well, I don't, I don't think know. my my suburban uh, backyard would would <laughs> my my neighbors yeah. would be yeah <laughs> the HOA. I don't yeah. think that is a yeah. I promise you, there'd yeah. be a few landmines. The uh, <laughs> donkeys uh, are not a yeah. They leave quite a trail behind them. My wife wants to get chickens for our backyard, but again, it's it, I think it's pretty. I'm pretty sure it's in the rules. You're not supposed to have those at the in the HOA. So. Um, so we asked this question uh, to all of our guests. Um, what do we need to know about Generation Z? Yeah. Well, I, I you know, I feel a little um, uh, silly in, in one sense answering that question because, you know, I've heard Shane teach on Gen Z and the characteristics. He summarizes them so well. So I'll just hit a couple of highlights for me uh, that, uh, as I've listened to him teach, I, I like to read a lot of the, like he does primary sources and go back to some of where that research came from. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, one, two things about Gen Z that I, I love is that there's a stick to itness with Gen Z. It's one of the starkest differences between mm-hmm. the millennials and Gen Z. And when we say Gen Z, we're talking about, I, this is the way I, I say, I say, call it the toy story generation. Because their birth years are 95 through 2010. 95 is when the first full-length computer animated film came out, Toy Story, which, you know, changed the entertainment industry. But but mm-hmm. so they're kind of, in my mind, that Pixar Toy Story generation. That. That's what they've grown up with. But they, there's a lot of stick to itness. And what I mean by that is the millennials would be excited about 10 jobs on their resume by the time they're 30. But Gen Z looks at that and basically goes, that's the dumbest thing on the planet. Mm -hmm. Uh, Longevity is so much healthier than an eclectic group of experiences. So we're seeing that stark difference. Um, The other stark difference is that how fiscally conservative they are. Now, they're liberal in so many ways, but they're they rival the boomer generation with their, uh, con- with how conservative they are with their money. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I love about the, the you know, there's a, a book called the, the, the Gen Z effect. It was written by some business guys and it focuses on what impact it will have Gen Z will have on business. Cause they do make up about $44 billion of our economy. And, and they are not Christian guys, but they're going, this may be the last generation that we can go, hey, let's measure this generation by these birth years. And that is consistent with these characteristics. And with the way they described it is we're going to move into an ever-evolving tribal era. Now, here's my conspiracy theory. What if the God of the universe has been working behind the scenes all along to create a tribal mentality in a culture that is better positioned to see an awakening and revival uh, countrywide be- and maybe worldwide better than if we are all stuck in our oh these are the Gen Z these are the millennials these are the Gen Xers these are the boomers these, I mean if we if we're in a post generational era in our culture and I know that sounds weird but if we're in an era where people are congregating based on things they like and interests and disciplines yeah. and and it's not about your age and and we have more people gathering asking and discussing I, I, it just seems like it could be fertile ground for seeds of revival that is completely my love conspiracy it. theory wow. uh, I as that. i read the yeah. social let scientists. it be lord let <laughs> it be lord i love that's that brent great. yeah that's great cuz it's like uh, i think about mission strategy you know the people group concept and all that that's what a missionary will go in and uh, you can see an exponential movement within a certain niche, a certain people group, 
And that's where they're seeing church planning movements and all that happen. So maybe God is setting that up across the world for these little people that are into whatever it is, you know, hip hop or, or those type of things where there's, there's people movements that can happen there. I love that. So Brent, uh, tell us a little bit more about your story and how you got into the ministry that you're doing. And even if you, if you feel like you want to share some highs and some lows in your ministry over the years. Yeah, well, I'm, you know, I, I grew up the son of a Southern Baptist convention church pastor. <laughs> so, um, I, uh, uh, I grew up a pastor's kid, um, probably unfortunately a typical experience and story where I had mistaken Christianity for morality and, and, mm-hmm. and had a really tough, uh, road ahead because of that. And so made a lot of mistakes, had a lot of problems, had a lot of addictions and issues and challenges and just junk. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, uh, the Lord broke me my senior year of high school. Uh, and when I say the Lord broke me, I, I basically left home and my home came after me Wow! and said, we're not going to let you go. And mm-hmm. they just prayed me into the kingdom to be quite honest with you. I became a follower of Christ my senior year of high school. Um, and then I was following Jesus. And then I, I did, I'm going to be honest with you. I stumbled pretty hard in college about halfway through. And uh, probably the low moment for me was calling my dad um, and telling him that I had been <laughs> been arrested and coming home from a semester uh, of study, uh, not with just a report card, but with a probation officer. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that was another kind of big moment in my life. Right after I graduated from college, my dad took me uh, and said, Hey, instead of going to the beach, instead of going on a trip with your friends, why don't you come with me? I'm going to, I go twice a year to this country in Africa and we built hospitals and churches and schools. And I work with these, pa- this network of pastors. And so I, I went and spent the two weeks after I graduated college with him. And I remember him looking at me uh, halfway through the week. It's hot. It's so hot that, you know, I mean, you know, the, 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 the sweat evaporates off your skin as soon as it comes out of your pores type deal. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, we're hot. It's been a long day. We're in the middle of nowhere. There's no running water. And, and he's so excited. Mm-hmm. And he, he looks at me and he goes, I wonder if this is how the disciples felt. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, I, never, wow. I never have forgotten that. And that mm-hmm. moment marked me. It changed me. I came back on mission and I can honestly say that, um, yeah, that mission trip changed my life because I came back on mission and, and I believe, hopefully, prayerfully, have been on mission ever since. Uh, I've served in, I went into vocational ministry. I've done, uh, you know, a bunch of educational stuff, did a couple of master's degrees, a PhD, served in student ministry and in a local church and parachurch. And for the last 15 plus years, I've been helping to lead an or- the organization Shane mentioned called Student Leadership mm-hmm. University, which is basically designed to help a generation tell a very different kind of story with their life. One that mm. has redemption as the theme and the redeemer as the central figure. So wow. that's, uh, that's the, the, the short of it, if you will. I love that Brent and Brent, man, thank you so much for being uh, transparent with your story and your mm. testimony. I've never heard that before. So you and I, man, we have very similar testimonies. Um, you know, I, uh, surrendered to Jesus as my Lord and Savior at 21, you know, and so I always tell people the first 21 years of my life, I was building my testimony, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> yeah, so, so man, we have very similar stories, man. Thanks for sharing that, man. I would love to dialogue with you more about that. Yeah. Hey, um, but yeah, we talked about, um, you know, Student Leadership University, Youth Pastor Summit, 
Live Tour. Hey, tell us about y'all's ministry, man, because, uh, man, at NAM, we love you guys. Man, we're such great partners. Um, and you guys are doing an incredible job of, uh, man, just really working with uh, the next generation of leaders. And what I mean by that, they're leaders now, but like those yep. who are working with the next generation and the next generation themselves. Uh, would you yeah, share about y'all's ministry? Yeah. Sure, sure. Well, we are a parachurch ministry in the sense that we come alongside local churches and serve. And so we have a leadership development journey that is Student Leadership University. Yeah. It's designed to give students a 15 to 20 year head start and how to think, how to dream, and how to lead at the feet of Jesus. And that's really important, lead at the feet of Jesus, because, you know, most of, uh, I did my doctoral work in, this is going to sound really boring, but in the in leadership theory, in the history of leadership theory, which is just a fancy way of saying what's shaped culture and the way it works mm-hmm. over, over recent history. And, um, you know, most people want to know what works. That's what leadership is, what gets the job done. But we at, at SOU try to look at, leadership as something that exists under the banner of disciple making. So we're helping students cultivate their influence for the glory of God as disciples of Jesus. It's not separate from, right. Uh, it comes up under the banner of, and so uh, that's SLU. Um, and then uh, we have kind of what we call two front porch ministries, which is our lift tour. It's a Friday night, Saturday experience, highly evangelistic, want them to experience scripture. It's loud. It's fast. We've all done a bunch of events like that. It's over before it begins. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the second front porch ministry is youth pastor summit, which is uh, our gift to youth workers. Um, And so we have anywhere from pre pandemic 5,500 to 6,000. I mean, we are just walking into YPS season this, this year as we, as we speak, by the time this airs, it'll be over. But it, it, you know, somewhere around 3000 churches are involved with that. It's a lot of fun. We do it in five cities. Um, yeah. So it's a lot of fun. That's our ministry lift tour youth pastor summit. And that hopefully leads into the SLU journey. Mm. Yeah. So you're, you're in connection with a lot of student pastors, youth pastors. What are you encouraged by and what do you see that needs to change or which you would want to see, um, develop and grow? Well, I, you know, the, the, the things that should not change that we are presently pursuing well, I think. And I, when I say we, it's really hard to generalize that, you know, in logic, that would right. be called a sweeping generalization, which is a fallacy. But but in an effort to, to have a conversation, I think, by and large, we're focusing on evangelism. And by the way, if we ever stop, God help us. Um, which is why I'm so grateful for who's your one. And uh, <laughs> we're focusing on evangelism. We really are focusing on building community. Yeah. I've seen a lot of, of that. And, and then, of course, experiencing scripture. What we need to work on, and again, I could be a thousand percent wrong. This is just one guy's observation. Um, but I think we, we need to build a paradigm by which we make disciples that is based on pilgrimage. Our our paradigm for disciple making is primarily information based yep. and not journey based. And mm. I think the greatest paradigm for disciple making is pilgrimage. Um, I love that. Jesus said, "Come, let's go on a journey." That's what he was saying when he walked along the seashore of the of the disciples' lives and said, "Come and follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men." The psalmist said, "Happy are the people whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on." pilgrimage. And so um, we are a people that are built for pilgrimage. We are built to wander well. 
in this world. We're, we're, so we, if we were created for pilgrimage, why would we just try to fill our brains with Bible facts and knowledge? Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's great, but it should all be designed to fuel the pilgrimage. So I would say, um, you know, pilgrimage is a paradigm for disciple making. Um, I, I also am a big believer that our student ministries are healthier when they are laboratories for imagination and wow. creative thought. Um, what if your church would never have to send a marketing thing out ever again if in student ministry uh, a student answered this question, what would I do for the glory of God? What would I change about this world? What would I do for the glory of God if I knew I wouldn't fail? If the dream of someone's mm -hmm. life is conceived in student ministry, their longevity in church and their evangelism, not just for the gospel, but for the local church, yeah. will be constant throughout the remainder of their life. I'm convinced of that. that. Uh, the third thing I would say is, you're probably not going to be surprised I say this, but is the need to focus on leadership development, our disciple making. Um, to really help people cultivate their influence. Uh, and so, yeah, that would be my kind of top three if I had to narrow them down. Yeah, I love that, Brent. Hey, Brent, let me ask you this. Um, I mean, and that, I mean, you're already segueing really well into it. What, are, what do you think are some of the most difficult things that teenagers are facing today that the church must address? You know, I always say that if uh, culture is screaming and the church is silent, they're only yep. hearing one worldview. So what, what are some things that teenagers are navigating through that the church must address? Yeah. Well, you, you know, let, let me just say where the church is silent, a, a voice that is anti-gospel will speak up as you, yeah. Know, as you mm -hmm. yeah. And, right. And so our silence says as much about our, our leadership as, as anything, I think, and I don't mean that in a rude way, just, about us, us, me, yeah. us. Um, I, you know, I think we've got to deal with a sexual ethic in a way we, we need our, our, our student pastors, ministers, shepherds, and youth workers. We need a sexual ethic that is firmly positioned in our framework of thinking to be able to respond to an ever evolving sexuality. And it's like we get a sexual ethic and it answers these five questions. But by the time you learn, okay, the answer to those five questions, there's five new questions that you're not ready for. And so we need to position ourselves to think, to, to really have an ethic of, of how to engage an ever-evolving sexual culture or devolving, I should say, yeah, uh, culture of sexuality. But I, I think a sexual ethic that that is understandable is, is, is vital. I think a willingness to get a bit messy and attempting to have the gospel present, uh, and in an effort to make, to find solutions when it comes to issues like politics, racism, um, uh, mental health, the foster care system. I mean, all of those, you know, right now, I don't know, Shane, I, I have, I have three children that are African-American children. You have three black, yeah. you have uh, black yeah. kids. I, yeah. you know, I'm looking at the world in a different way these last few years. Mm -hmm. yep. And um, I'm looking at the, the, these, the rising of, for example, maybe a black lives matter or something else. I know it's immediately controversial to say that out loud, mm -hmm. but if I can quote somebody that we all kind of respect, uh, pastor Derwin Gray said, if the church was doing its job, there wouldn't be a black lives matter. 
Wow. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so I, I think we, we gotta be willing to get in the gaps, to get in the spaces where there's a messiness in culture and help find solutions and be present. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that's one of the greatest challenges for this generation. And, and I think the final thing I would say is we've got with every fiber of our being, we have to resist polarization. Yep. We have to resist faction, you know, this factioning, this breaking ourselves down into groups, because yep. what happens is when polarization is present in the church, we see ourselves as cultural warriors. We are not cultural warriors. We are missionaries. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and so there is this, we've got to resist polarization so that we don't see everybody out there as enemies. Christianity is the only faith in the world that looks at people who hate them and go, that could be my future family. And (laughs) you're a cultural warrior. You don't think that way. Um, We're not trying to win a battle that that is against flesh and blood. We're trying to win. We want to see somebody's soul won. And so Mm. I think to resist this idea of polarization, what polarization has done in the local church is it's made us think of heaven like it's a, 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 like it's a, you know, a Chick-fil-A with a bunch of booth space. There are no booths in heaven. There's just one big table of grace. Mm. And our job is to get as many people at that table as possible. And if we wow. don't reject polarization, we fail. Oh, Sorry, my goodness. Wow. So good. Hey, uh-huh. hey, hey, hey we're going to give an altar call right there. <laughs> right, we're going to give an altar call. <laughs> man, Frank Crow dropping bombs, man. I'm over here text. I'm over here typing in my phone those things. Man, so good, Brent. Yeah. Yeah, that was great, Brent. That was awesome. Thank you so much for that. Um, that kind of leads to this next question is what would you tell a pastor that wants to reach teenagers with the gospel, but they don't have any right now? Uh, what are some practical first steps that they can take? Well, I know that that question sounds a little like, Oh my gosh, you don't have any students in your, but if you look at it from the, from a little bit of a different angle, what a cool opportunity mm. you get to whiteboard what a student ministry is going to look like in, in your mm-hmm. church which could have such a fundamental impact on the, the next five to 10 years of, of your ministry in that community. And so I actually think what a, a cool, fun, missional place to be right. if you're in that position. So if you're a pastor and you're listening to this, don't be, don't, I hope you're not discouraged if you're in that, that spot. I hope you go, okay, I got a whiteboard, I got a Bible, and I got a spirit of humility. There's no problem we can't solve. <laughs> Um, and so I would say there's just three practical helps for a pastor would be number one, to utilize parachurch ministries. That's why they are there. Um, I know the North American mission board, NAM is an, it is an entity of a convention, but it operates very much like a parachurch. Mm -hmm. And I mean, you guys literally exist to come alongside with evangelism strategies, church planning strategies, church plants, and on and on and on it goes. So there are resources, there are parachurch ministries that are designed to be a help. So why not take you know advantage of those? Um, uh, something else is, it, and unfortunately, a lot of people are nervous to do this. But you know, we use our church buildings a couple days a week. But if you want to get students on your campus, make make your facilities available the whole rest of the week. There are schools in every community that are looking for after-school programs, that are looking for ways to do mentoring programs with academics and whatnot. So what if your school became, what if your church, excuse me, became the hub for after-school ministry? Then there's going to be 
um, something that happens in the mindset of both students and parents, and that is that this church obviously cares about the next generation. Uh, and then the last thing I would say is become a mentor yourself. Like just yeah. just go care about one kid. And uh, if that means join a boys and girls club, if that means join an after school program, if that means become a tutor, if that means become a substitute teacher. I, I mean, the most when I was growing up, the most effective student ministry in our city. The youth path, there were several youth pastors at the church because it was a fairly large church. They were all substitute teachers. Wow. And it I was the that. only way they could get on campus, but they were all substitute teachers. And their pastor obviously was in favor of this, but it just put them in proximity and fostered great relationships. So just do what it takes through working through the existing, existing systems in your community to be in proximity to have conversation. And I think if you do those three things, you're going to position yourself to build a student ministry. Um, but yeah, those are just three practical uh, kind of first steps. Yeah, I love that, Brent. Man, gosh. And I love that, you know, just how you, the perspective. Because, I mean, I get that question all the time. Hey, where do we start? We don't have any students. And it's kind of like the the sadness. And I feel their angst and the weightiness of that. But I love that spin of like, what a great opportunity. And I love that if you got a Bible whiteboard and a spirit of humility. And then, uh, man, and I love the idea about the student, uh, the substitute teaching, man. What a great idea. Mm -hmm. Hey, well, Brent, the heart behind really the Next Gen on Mission podcast is to really see the next generation realize they are really the now generation, not just Mm -hmm. the future of the church, but they are the church right now, that they have a mission now, they have a calling on their life now. So would you give us one closing thought on that and one practical next step? Yeah. Well, my closing thought on that would just be in all caps, amen, right? I mean, (laughs) the only, if we're not helping students believe that they are the church present tense, not future tense, then we are not following a healthy paradigm for disciple making. And I don't, I, while the last question, let's be optimistic. I mean, this, this may be one where we need to call ourselves out. If we ain't Mm -hmm. doing this, we ain't right. And so I'd say amen to that. But then I would say, final practical step. And, uh, my wife and I went to a church when we first got married with a pastor that's kind of well known by the name of Andy Stanley. And I remember him yeah. saying in a sermon one Sunday morning, cause that was that we were, he was wrestling with that question for our church. Where do you start? Where do you start? Where he, he just said this, I wrote it down. I've never forgot it. Do for one, what you wish you could do for everyone. Mm-hmm. And Love so it. I would say, Hey, if you believe that you are the church now and just go do for some, don't worry about changing the whole world. Yes. If you want to great, but go change somebody's world. Do for one mm-hmm. what you for everyone. I love that, Brent. Yeah. That's so good. Thank you so much for your time, Brent. How can people connect with you and the ministries that you're a part of? Yeah, sure. Well, they can connect with me uh, on social at Brent A. Crow. have to use the A in there, my middle initial, because uh, I came late to the social media party and, you know, some <laughs> middle schooler got Brent Crow and posted about Teenage Mutant Turtles. So anyways, uh, <laughs> Brent Crow. Um, and then, uh, and then our, our ministry website is simply sulead.com, sulead.com. Yeah, I love that. Hey, I, I, I may go follow Brent Crow too, so I can see all the posts about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> I don't know if it's silly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, I'll tell you, yesterday I was in Louisiana doing some, uh, uh, some coaching uh, for a bunch of youth pastors for the Louisiana Baptist Convention. 
And man, only a youth pastor. He showed up with a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle shirt on, and it made yeah. me so happy. I was like, only a youth pastor does that. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. Hey, Brent, man, thank you so much for your thank time. You. Gosh, man, so good. Uh, I mean, I got a phone full of notes over here. Thank you so much. So thankful for you and the partnership that we have uh, with the ministry you're a part of, SOU. Mm -hmm. And friends, thank you so much for listening to the Next Gen on Mission podcast. If you have any questions on reaching the next generation, please email us at evangelism at nam.net. We'll try to address those on a future podcast. And listen, friends, thank you for listening. Hey, give us a share, a rating, tell others about this podcast if it's a help to you. And we want you to have a great rest of your day. And tell somebody about Jesus.